Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Welcome to Policy and Rights, the show about human rights and government policy. Welcome back, everyone. So uh, today we have a WHO event with um, Dr. Mike Ryan and Dr. Uh, Maria Van Kirkov talking about what we can do um, as a global society to reduce the transmission of COVID-19, how we can use some common sense ideas, um, such as wearing masks, as the social distancing, and other things that we can do to reduce the transmission of the virus so that we can help keep everyone we know safe and well-protected. Um, so let's listen to what um, Dr. Mike Ryan and Dr. Um, Maria Van Kirkhoff have to say uh, uh, in a open question to forum to the public. The prospect potentially of having effective vaccines down the line. We also have the hope of another measure, but that's still a while away. So I think we have to really focus and where we are now in the pandemic and what we can do together now. And I think the toughest part of this is sustaining our effort at community level. It's really hard after seven months. Everyone's tired, everyone's exhausted, everyone just wants things to go back to the way they were. Who wouldn't? We do. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, in the face of a crisis, the virus is choosing too much of our future right now. Uh, and we need to choose our future. And the only way we do that is we fight the virus. Mike, uh, you mentioned only if we are united at community level, we can fight the virus back and we're already receiving questions. What can we do on a community level as individuals to fight the virus back? I know you explained this repeatedly in our press conferences and in other appearances, but I think it's worth re repeating once again. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think everyone really needs to understand that they have a role to play in this, whether it's at the individual level, it's at the family level. It's at the community level, it's at the state level or province level, um, at the national level and at the international level. Um, no one is safe until we're all safe. And so there are a number of things that people can do. And I think, as Mike has said, that you know, we do hope that there will be a vaccine, a safe and effective vaccine that comes down the line. There are many things, there are many tools that we have right now that people can use. Um, and this includes the basics, the basic measures of ensuring that you clean your hands regularly um, and make sure that you practice this respiratory etiquette, uh, making sure you keep a physical distance from people. And again, I just want to highlight that we're saying physical distance, physical distancing and not social distancing because we need people to feel connected with others. There's an, a tremendous uh, impact on our 
on our mental health, not just our physical health. So we need people to, to stay connected with their loved ones as best as they can. Um, it includes wearing a mask when being asked to wear a mask. It includes staying home if you're asked. Um, it includes you know, seeking medical care and calling those hotlines that are put in place. Um, doing your part. And I think that uh, national governments you know, have put out recommendations, and it's very important that people follow those recommendations. Um, and I think lastly, most importantly, is keep yourself informed. This situation is changing and it's evolving um, constantly, um, and we need to make sure that we follow the information, especially about where this virus is, because that will help us determine the types of decisions that we make on a daily basis um, to minimize our own risk of getting infected and perhaps passing it on to a loved one. Thank you, Maria. Question came in as well, again, why are we not wearing the mask? So maybe we can also clarify when people should wear masks to protect as a part of all the other um, actions you just mentioned. So yes, so, so masks are, are one of the tools that can be, can be used in, in the prevention of, of, uh, of transmission between people. Um, so WHO, we advise the use of masks, particularly when you're caring for patients, so especially in health facilities, um, when you know that somebody is infected with this virus. For the general community, we recommend the use of a mask if you're sick yourself, and actually if you are sick, you should be at home, and you should call your medical provider. Um, but also in situations where you cannot do physical distancing and if the virus is present in the community. So in indoor settings, you know, when you cannot do physical distancing, we recommend the use of a fabric mask. So we are sitting apart here, so we, that's the reason why we are not wearing masks in, in this setting. Mm -hmm. um, we are receiving a lot of questions, Mike, maybe you can take this one, about uh, children, should, should people uh, keep children uh, at home or they should go back to school? And also, are there any particular precautionary measures to be taken for children? Um, I'll let uh, Maria will add to this because uh, She's the real expert around here. Uh, the, uh, I, I would say that school is a microcosm of our society, of our community. School is a subset of people from our community. So if we have uh, spread of the virus in our community, and that spread is intense and it's widespread, then that disease will spread through the school environment. So we know that children can spread the disease. Thankfully, uh, very, the vast majority of children don't suffer a very severe illness, but that doesn't mean that they can't participate in the process of transmission. Uh, we see this with many diseases. We see this with, uh, for example, for, with polio. Uh, many, many children can process the virus, pass the virus on, never get sick themselves. But when that virus reaches a particularly vulnerable child, then that virus could cause paralysis. So it's pretty much the same with, with COVID. The, the disease may pass, through children, it may find the child then that's less immune or has some uh, compromise and could cause a more severe infection, uh, or it can also be brought home to uh, vulnerable grandparents or others. So uh, the way I would see it is that when you have intense transmission at the community level, then we have to be careful about schools. Um, but also, we have to also recognize that education is hugely important. Mm. And there are environments uh, in the world where being at school is a safer place to be. Uh, given the social conditions and given other, there are many schools that act as a very important points of nutrition for children, mm. they're points of safety for children in, in areas that are not necessarily as safe socially for kids. So schools don't just function as sites of education. They're very important centers 
within our societies and within our communities. So we have to do everything possible to bring our children back to school. And the most effective thing we can do is to stop the disease in the community. Because if we control the disease in the community, mm -hmm. we can open the schools. Mm -hmm. So we need to focus again back on controlling the disease at the community level. And younger people have a huge part to play in this. This is not, uh, and, I, uh, and I hope we're, we're speaking to, to many younger people and younger adults out there. Uh, and I'm so proud of younger generation, the way they've taken on uh, the issue of racism, they've taken on the issue of climate. Uh, we need a young generation that's willing to take action. Take action for a better future. Take action. Take control of our society. Take control of our future. And part of that is ensuring we get through this COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, we need a better future. We need a stable future. We need a new normal. And it's not about being victims of that. It's about taking action to ensure that we beat this virus. And younger people, while they may suffer the least effects of this virus, participate in transmission. And we need particularly younger people and younger adults to really take on that responsibility and not in a sense feel that they're giving something up uh, that's precious to them. And I know they are because uh, we were all young ones <laughs> and the freedom of youth and the, 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 the desire and the right you have to go and enjoy life and go and experience life. And it is hard to put your life on hold, especially uh, when your adult life is potentially just before you. So I think I would love to see the same energy and the same commitment and the same activism that I can see going into other aspects of our future really commit themselves to getting rid of this disease. Uh, and, I, and I think we need to see more young leaders. We need to see leadership from youth, leadership from young adults. It's your future. Uh, it's your planet. It's your society. Uh, you decide how it is. You decide how it will be. Not old fogies like me. Can I just add to that? Please, say please that Maria. I, th I think also the, the creativity that we see with the younger generation. Um, you know, help us find solutions, help mm -hmm. find the solutions Absolutely. that we need to go forward. This idea of a new normal, I don't think anyone completely knows what that looks like. We need to create this ourselves and mm -hmm. everyone has a role to play. It shouldn't be older folks that, like us, <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that, uh, that decide, you know, I think, I think we need everybody to play an active role in that and that, um, you know, people and of all ages need to feel empowered that they have a role to play in this. So speak up, speak out. You know, help us work through this and find and, and really find that way to be creative and innovative. Um, that this this is temporary. I mean, this idea of having to put some things on hold is hard, and I understand that because we are also putting all of us are putting things on hold. But it is temporary. We will get through this. You know, we will get through this. There is hope. You were asking about the six months and can pe can people turn this around? Can we turn this around? We can absolutely turn this around. And I think everybody f needs to know that. And, and we're not just saying that because we are optimists here. We have seen many, many countries do this. It's going to take tremendous hard work, but it needs to take every single member. I have two young kids um, and, you know, just trying to get them to wash their hands regularly, you know, and, and, and do the, the showers every night and all of that. And I know my son is watching. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone has a role to play. And, I, and I, I really, I think you've heard us say this many, many times before. We want people to feel empowered and to be part of this solution and to be part of the response. Thank you both. This was very motivational and inspirational. And I can tell you that we're already receiving some questions from people watching us on TikTok. Um, 
Sukanya is asking how to protect myself and others from COVID if I need to take public transportation every day. So this is one of the settings that mm -hmm. young people are using on daily basis to commute, go school, mm -hmm. still see their friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. what do they need to know? I can start because I take the bus every day. <laughs> right? So I'm a user of public transport, uh, which is uh, sometimes a uh, surprise to people, but uh, I take the bus every day. And it, 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 it really is about simple behaviours. Uh, sometimes I let a bus pass by, a bus is, looks too full. If it doesn't feel safe, it's not safe. Okay, I'm going to be 10 minutes later than I would normally be. It's the same thing if I asked someone, many of the people watching this, ride their bikes in urban areas. You take a big risk doing that every day. But you know the basic rules. You know when you can go a bit faster, a bit slower. You know when you need to stop. And sometimes cyclists know how to jump the odd red light yeah, and <laughs> wear helmets or whatever. So it's the same when it comes to the bus. It really is about, it is about the intensity and the duration of the contact you will have with other people. If you're going to be on public transport for a long time and going to be very close to people, that's more risky than being on public transport for a short time and been well spaced with people. So the number of people or the density of people in the environment and the period of time you spend in it is the risk. Then you can reduce that risk by not getting on that bus or if you do get on that bus, finding the area of the bus that's least crowded. It might be furthest from the door. Uh, uh, it's about simple techniques. Uh, you know, if you, sometimes, you know, the buses, you have to press the button to open the door when you get on the bus. Well, your finger has just touched something. Uh, sometimes you use your elbow to do that. Unfortunately, some of the buses here in Geneva don't react to an elbow. <laughs> they only react to the touch of a, of a finger. Um, and uh, maybe that's the, what I often do when I get on the bus is I think, okay, I'm going to end up touching a lot of things. So I touch that and I get on and, you know, get sit down. And then as soon as I sit down on the bus, I have my mask on me, but then I take out hand sanitizer. Before I touch anything else, before I go near my iPhone or try to stick my headphones in, I just clean my hands. And then I know my hands are clean, I can touch my phone. So it's a simple kind of routine, a kind of technique. It's like maybe, uh, like, well, uh, uh, if you were going through any routine or thing you do uh, in life. So I think building a routine for how you go about the business of getting on the bus, washing your hands, you know, picking that least, uh, the least uh, crowded part of the bus, uh, I think they're the simple things. And uh, I've been on public transport for, okay. for months the whole time through this. And uh, again, I've let buses pass by when they've been too full and, and, and try to manage my risk that way. Uh, because I'm still committed to public transport as a way of getting around. It doesn't, for me, uh, it doesn't give me the excuse to hop in my car because I live in the city and therefore I don't want to have a car and maybe it would be safer for me now to have a car, but then I have an impact on the environment. So I have to trade off the good and the bad and I try to manage that risk in a way that minimizes the risk to me but maximizes my chance of my commitment to climate or my commitment to something else. And I think most people are, we do that every day. I think, to be honest with you, this is something humans, we're designed for this. Adapt. We do adapt. it, we yeah. adapt. We live in complex environments and we make complex decisions every day. Uh, the issue is just to learn and absorb the behaviors you need to keep you safe. Uh, and it's all out there. I mean, in fact, if anything, we're, we're overloaded with information about what to do and what not to do. And sometimes I feel people feel overwhelmed 
by all the advice they're getting. Uh, and, I, and I think that's something on our side we need to be careful with. I know a number of people have said to me, my God, if I did everything everyone told me to do, I'd probably hide under my bed all day long. That's the only way to be safe. Uh, and I think that's a reasonable thing. I think we have to be very careful to create enough concern in people so people react but not so much concern that we drive fear and we drive uh, panic and finding that balance is not easy. Thank you very much Mike. Um, we have another question and comment actually uh, from uh, our viewer on Facebook Jennifer Randall who says that you're doing a great job and, and she's asking how can we engage people who are not wearing masks? Should it be mandatory or should we try to convince? That's a really, really good question, Jennifer. Um, you know, the use of any of these, um, any of this advice or the use of masks, um, forcing that to happen sometimes doesn't work. Um, but, you know, these uh, advice, this advice, these guidelines are put in place for a reason. So it's really important to understand why um, the advice is put out there. You know, there must be a reason why there's an advice to use a mask in a certain situation. So, for example, using a mask when you go into a shop or using a mask when you're on public transportation. These are situations where you can't do physical distancing. Um, and there's a reason for that. And the reason is um, if you put on a mask, it's, it's to protect you from infecting somebody else. And if somebody else is infected, from them infecting people that are around them. And so really understanding why those, those um, that advice is put in place, I think can be helpful. And if you don't understand, ask why. You know, find out what is the reason for this. Um, why are these, um, items being told to us um, and then see what it is, you know, okay, maybe it's, it's inconvenient, maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable. I have to say putting on a mask is, is not the most comfortable, but it's something that you can do. Again, this is temporary, um, you know, this is something that you play your part in um, and if that can help pre prevent transmission, then please, please do that. Thank you, Maria. Can I just maybe please. add to that because I, I think it's a key point. Because we see this in other parts of our lives. I mean, social norms are what we do as part of the norms of our society. What we expect of ourselves and our community expects of us uh, is always a mixture of your acceptance to do that. In other words, I think that's a smart thing to do. I will do it, which is my acceptance of that behavior. And then there's also the deterrence of someone says you can't do that and there'll be a punishment if you do do that. Yeah. We do this all the time. Seatbelts in mm. cars, baby seats in cars. Uh, drink driving rules. There's an element of social, I mean if I get in a car with my three-year-old or my four-year-old kid and I stick them on the back seat and don't put a seatbelt on, I'm breaking the law. But I'm also breaking a social norm. Mm -hmm. uh, because other people will look at me and go, oh my God, you're doing mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Or if I go into a bar and I drink, you know, five or six drinks and then I go and get in my car and I drive, that's not socially acceptable anymore. There was a time when that behavior was socially acceptable, it was totally normal. Yeah. It's not acceptable anymore. And the way we got there was a mixture of deterrence, rules that said you can't do this, but also a change in the way our attitude to that. And I think both are important, but I would much prefer the, the role of uh, acceptance and trust rather than the role of enforcement. Because yeah. enforcement does not, it does, behavior that changes because of acceptance can sustain itself for a long time. Behavior that changes because of enforcement is not, it's not, the same. It's not sustainable yeah, because you yeah. keep having to apply the enforcement. So it, it, it's much better if it's through trust and if it's through acceptance that we change any of our behaviors because it's a more sustainable way for us to change. 
But we have to also accept that in certain situations, uh, enforcement uh, may be needed. Um, and uh, But again, when a rule is enforced, it can be enforced in a number of different ways. It can be enforced through people pointing out to people that you're doing something that's not acceptable and it can be done through warnings it can be done through trying to convince people and I've seen uh, a number of authorities doing that where they don't have punishments for people but they point out to people that you're, you're doing something that's not allowed yeah. so I think you can build that up but uh, we have to be very very careful in all of this to remember that human rights are important in the centre of this we are members of a community and a society but we're also individuals mm -hmm. and we're free to express our individual views and we're free to carry out our individual behaviors as long as those behaviors don't impact on the well-being of, of others. others and i think that's the contract we have in society so we need to not look at what is my right to behave you have a right as an individual to behave in any way in a sense uh, you wish to as long as your behavior does not impact on, on, on essential issues in somebody else's life. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves all the time. Am I impacting others? Uh, if I'm not impacting others, fine. Yeah. There's a lot of questions coming from our viewers and we thank you very much for that. Um, I would like to pass another one from a viewer from TikTok again. Um, is there a risk being in large gathering outdoors? Okay, so uh, there we have it. And we want to thank um, the WHO for the tremendous efforts that they are putting forward to keep us safe, keep us healthy all around the world, and how they are organizing uh, teams to find us the uh, a vaccine that can help and making sure that, that the most vulnerable countries in the world are actually protected from this virus. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Please do cl click on the subscribe button that you see somewhere on your screen so you can get all the updates from us here at Depictions Media. And thank you again for listening. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.